0: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer.
1: It's time for Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for joining us again. Before we get started today with our awesome guest, Scott Ingram, I wanted to thank everybody who has recently reached out. I've seen like a big uptick in people who want to uh, reach out and tell me about what they liked about a show that they listened to. I've gotten several emails, uh, occasionally via Facebook or Twitter. People reach out, and it really does mean a lot to me. I'm trying to – you know, build a little bit of a community here. And so I encourage you to go over to the Facebook page. We have a Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do page. Run over there and and join that page. And then I also wanted to thank everybody who leaves reviews. You know, the show is a year old, but it is still relatively a new show. And getting reviews on iTunes – really helps people find the show. So for those of you who take the time, I want you to know that I read every single review, and actually I go back and reread them. Uh, not like when I'm feeling sad, like, oh, I want to go read my reviews. But I do go back and look at what people say and, and try and take some of the the comments and really make sure I'm putting them into play. If there's something somebody really likes about the show, I try to make sure that we're growing that. And one more thing. If you listen to the last episode with the teacher who is becoming a professional actor, Kevin Miller, if you listen to that show, uh, you know that uh, a couple of listeners reached out. They wanted me to coach them, and the price just didn't work out for what they felt they could afford. And they said, how come you don't do a group coaching program like a lot of podcasters do? And like everything, you can't do it all. But when two people in the same week made the same request, I always think that's somehow the universe speaking to you. So I'm toying with the idea of starting the Cool Things Project. I, I think on the episode last week I called it like the Cool, the cool Things Club. Um, I'm toying around with some different names. We haven't actually launched it yet, but it's going to be a group coaching program where we'll meet once a week on a Google Hangout. We'll have a closed Facebook group where people can chat about what they're trying to do in their entrepreneurial journey. I'll provide quarterly one-on-one calls with everybody who's part of the of the group, and the idea is, is that we kind of have some fun along the way helping you figure out what you're trying to do in your entrepreneurial journey. And this is going to be very limited. The one thing that the people who kind of inspired me to do this said is the group can't be too big, and the other thing is, is that it can't cost too much. So we're going to start out with $225 a quarter which is well below what a lot of other people charge for similar type of groups. But I wanna make sure that we're providing value. uh, And anyone who joins, that price will never go up for that person. If the group takes off and people are clamoring to get in, hey, maybe we'll raise the price for future people. But if you're interested, I don't have a website to send you to. You have to email me at tom, T-H-O-M, at tomsinger.com. Maybe we can jump on Skype and have a chat about it and see if it's the right fit for you. And uh, we're going to try and start this as we go into the last quarter of the year and see where it goes. If it's something that interests you, reach out. If not, then don't reach out. Now, it's time for today's episode, and today I have somebody who's been a really good friend of mine for over 10 years, and that is Scott Ingram, and Scott is a true entrepreneur in the fact that ever since I've known Scott, he has tried you know several different businesses. From what I understand, before he came to Austin, Texas, he had a consulting business that was really successful in California. Uh, he came out here. He started a program called Network in Austin and actually grew that into a business, But, you know, life comes along, and you have children, and you're married, and sometimes entrepreneurs actually work inside businesses because that's the best thing for their family, and Scott has a great job with an amazing company. We actually had the CEO of his company on a few months ago uh, on this show, and he works for a company called Certain, and they are in the events space And Scott is one of their salespeople, but he's not just a guy who goes and punches the clock. Scott is truly an intrapreneur in the fact that he doesn't just go in and just do things the way every other salesperson does. He went to the CEO and said, part of what I want to do is I want to write a book, and I want to create this book as a platform for our company, and the CEO said, great, and they have this book called Make Rain with Events, and I'm going to let Scott tell you sort of all the details, but... I like it when people are always trying to make things happen and creating their own path, and that's one of the reasons I've always liked Scott Ingram. Hey, Scott, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
0: Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here. It's good to be on the on the other end of the show, having listened to, to many episodes over the, the year that you've been doing this.
1: Well, and it's kind of exciting because uh, the same day that this show comes out, I am a guest on your show, but we're not doing – Uh, Like I did with the guy from Laboratory Leadership, we recorded one show and released it the same day. We actually have two entirely separate interviews. You interviewed me for your show, and then now a week later, I'm interviewing you for mine, and they'll both release on the same day.
0: Yeah, nice that it just kind of worked out that way from a timing standpoint. I think we just learned that uh, as, as we started this conversation today. And it, you know the, the two shows are about really different things. you know your, your show is much more entrepreneurial focused. My show is is really about events and how you create better experiences and drive better value from that. So uh, I think that's a great place for people to go learn more you know more about you. You've got a great audience that I know really enjoys you and your show as you talk to other people. I think going over and listening to my show and that show is, is named after the book. It's called Making Rain with Events. Uh, that episode will be live on October 1st. So as you listen to this, I uh, should be able to go go and find it and really just hear some of the things that, that Tom's up to and, and some of his experience. I think that'll be a great way to, to get to know you even more.
1: Yeah, so I encourage everybody after you finish this episode, go and find Scott Ingram's Making Rain with Events podcast and listen to the other interview where we talk about the events business and, and getting people more engaged at live events. Uh, and we talk a little bit more about me. So but today, Scott, it's about you. So why don't, you know, I gave a little bit of a
0: brief introduction, but why don't you tell
1: everybody kind of who
0: you are and what you do? It's a a long story. Yeah, I think your intro was was great, right? I I would consider myself to be a very entrepreneurial sales leader type. Um, Started my first company when I was 20 years old in Southern California, uh, ran that for five years and then sold it. Uh, really, at the top of the real estate market in in California, we kind of saw the writing on the wall there and and is you know, there it's, ever it's is there
1: the ever experience. a top of the real estate market in California? It seems like it's always going up isn't it isn't it like a million dollars a square foot out there now
0: yeah it's it's not pretty, <laughs> you know, but it was the timing was so great for us i mean it definitely did take a dip uh, after we left in two thousand and four for a couple of years there with the with the real estate market It's definitely on the upswing again. Uh, you know, but it, it kind of felt like when you do, when you get lucky in Vegas, the best thing to do is just leave the casino. It felt a little bit like that. So sold my condo, sold the company. Uh, I Same year I got married. So Emily and I got married that year and we decided, you know, where where would, do we really want to start a family and, and build other businesses and other things? And we found Austin, fell in love. Um, not only with each other, but with the city. And so that's that's what prompted that move. And when I came to Austin, one of the first things I realized was I had built that previous company all through my network. It was all relationships. I was crazy involved. I, you know, I was the ambassador of the year for the Newport Beach Chamber of Commerce and worked on chamber boards and you know, was the treasurer of the Rotary Club and just had this great set of relationships that the entire company was based on. And when it when it came time to sell the company, I, I literally made three phone calls and sold the company. There's a little more process after that. But, you know, I, I knew the people. I had the relationships to make it work. And we came to Austin and I knew my real estate agent. That was that was the full extent of my network in Austin when we, when we moved here. And so network in Austin really just kind of evolved from some of my frustrations of, you know, I'm new to the city. I'm trying to figure out where to go and where to connect. And it was just a natural evolution. It started with a calendar and over time evolved into a place where it became more about networking education. You know, I, I started to see that, okay, the next issue is not, where do I go and network? It's how. How do I do this thing called networking successfully? And you know, it was it was okay. Yeah, I think one of the challenges. I was thinking about this this morning. One of the worst places to be as an entrepreneur is that space between outright success and outright failure. In some ways, failure is easier <laughs> um, because it's clean and you know it's over. Um with network in Austin, I would say it was just sort of mediocre success it It kind of trudged along, but it wasn't any sort of breakout. I never quite figured out the model that would really work and really scale and really make that a real business that would sustain my my growing families as you know I know I have two girls and so I really decided you know where what is my best skill where Where do I add the most value? What do I enjoy doing the most? And really embarked on a true professional sales career. And that's been a, it's been a fun ride. I've worked with with big companies. I've worked with smaller companies. So I started with ADP, uh, selling payroll and HR type services. So at the time, I think they were about an $8 billion company. So good size, lots of great training, really kind of helped me advance my skill set. Um, and then I started working for smaller companies, worked for a local company here called Bizarre Voice. Uh, they went public uh, worked for a little company called Eliqua. Uh, we went public and then subsequently were were acquired by Oracle and th- it was that transition that really brought me to certain I you know joined El- Eloqua when they were about 300 350 employees and then you know went a- about 7 or 8 months after the Oracle acquisition where I became an official Oracle employee but just found that having 130,000 colleagues is just a few too many for me. <laughs> that's
1: a that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, people around the water cooler.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a big big company and you know there's a lot of process and things that go with that. Great great company en- enjoyed being there um, but it just wasn't kind of the right fit for me and but I wanted to stay In that marketing technology space, you know, that that marketing automation spot was really hot. I had built, again, a really great network, uh, not only inside of Eloqua, but across just the the broader vendor and and service provider community that was that space. And I thought, you know, I want to stay close to this. And of course, you know, more more relationships had a friend that I'd worked with at Eloqua that is uh, certain's VP of services we had a couple of conversations about what was going on at certain. I thought, gosh, this is a really good fit. Uh, it allows me to stay close to, uh, what I've really come to love. And I, I just, you know, I've sold to HR folks and it folks and sales and marketing. I just, I enjoy working with marketers so much. It's such a, an optimistic bunch. It's forward looking. It's, you know, creating great customer stories and great customer outcomes and bringing events into that equation is is also just exciting but different. You know, a lot of companies, events has been something that sits on the side and isn't really a core part of an integrated marketing strategy. And that's where the book concept came from. I thought, you know, we're really evangelizing a very different approach to the way events happen. It's not the logistics it is driving a real business outcome, a, a business value, a marketing value, and and growing our client base through that. And as I sought to really evangelize that, I thought, you know, it would be so helpful to have a better tool uh, to get this point across that people can take to their executives um, and get that executive sponsorship. And then for those executive sponsors to really socialize that and help the rest of the organization understand this is why – um, we're investing this way, and the, this is why we're doing these things, and and that's kind of how that came about. So it's it's a, it's a fun journey, and you know, I think for your audience, where you've got a lot of entrepreneurs, you don't have a company if you don't have revenue, and and that comes from the sales side. And I think it's just such an important skill set that you have to get. Um, I'm I'm sure in my future there will be other entrepreneurial things that will happen again but having this foundation of of sales skill the marketing skill the the business development aspects of what i do are Absolutely critical to really all of the successes that i've had along the way
1: so scott you bring up so many interesting things as you sort of shared your own path and journey i want to backtrack to when you were talking about having that business that you started when you got here to austin this network in austin uh, that became sort of an uh, information and education arm for people you said something very interesting you said you were sort of stuck between success and failure you know i think that happens to a lot of people they they get in there and they're able to pay their bills but they never have sort of that that hockey stick curve. They never have that thing where they sort of get ahead. What advice do you have to somebody who's listening who thinks, yep, he just described my entrepreneurial journey. I'm stuck between success and failure. You know, what advice do you have for somebody who feels they're
0: living that? Yeah, it, it, it's such a hard thing because the, on the one side, you and I have joked so many times over the years, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. So on one hand, you can't give up early. And, and not follow through with it and know that it's not going to work. In my case, I, th- I think it's really just looking at an understanding, okay, if if I project this into the future, where, where does this really go? And the other thing I'll say is in in some ways my passions had shifted a little bit. Um, You know, networking was so core to – I mean it still is. It's such a core part of where my successes are. But I found that there were bigger ways that I felt like I could make an impact, and and my roles were taking me in much more of a national direction, whereas that was was a much more local endeavor. So that's such a hard question, Tom. I mean, you just have to look really hard at it. The other thing that I'll say is surround yourself with with a lot of really good advisors and other perspectives. Um, I, I never really embarked on any of that alone I've always had mastermind groups I mean Tom you were part of uh, various iterations of advisory boards that I had around that that organization and it was so important just to understand from other people's perspective who weren't so emotionally connected to it to help you really gain g- gain the perspective you need to make those kinds of hard decisions
1: well and you know we've talked a lot on this show for people who listen regularly about both the concept of sort of reinventing yourself and you have to be honest of, of what is it I'm doing and what is it that I – where do I want to go? And then you bring up the fact of surrounding yourself with really good people who, number one, care and want to see you succeed but who aren't caught up in that sort of emotional thing that we call like our own life and i'm a real big believer in the concept of having you know mastermind groups both permanent ones and sort of sometimes impromptu ones the other day i was in in need of a, just a little inspiration i mean i wasn't depressed or feeling down but i just felt like god i'm spinning my wheels and i put a thing out on uh, a little closed facebook group i belong to that has several hundred sort of uh, we call it uh, national speaker nsa Uh, xy for generation x generation y and it's just this core group that's grown up over the last decade of we used to say it was younger speakers when it was age 40 and under but the gen xers are getting older so it's now you know 50 and under and uh, i just put something out saying does anybody want to jump on a google plus call for an hour today and just share marketing ideas and four of us got on a call and we just went through what are you doing and we asked each other questions just about our businesses and one guy gave me an idea that was like well duh I should be doing that. And, you know, it got me that little piece of inspiration I wanted. So, you know, you bring up the fact of, you know, masterminding with people. I think if you're ever feeling stuck, either in the whole business or just stuck for the day, you know, getting around people, you know, who can give you a different perspective, I think is brilliant. And then the other thing that you said that made me laugh was, hey, it's 10 years to be an overnight success. And so I I do think that's true. I think that 100% of the people who quit don't make it to the finish line. But, you know, you have to be honest with yourself sometime if, if you're just going to be stuck in the middle forever, you know, you really have to do that pivot. And I remember when you did it, it was not an easy decision to go and, and get a get a job, but you made the smart, right decision. And then you've had really great success, you know, working for these companies that you've worked for. And, and I think actually kind of from the outside looking in, I think you're the happiest now that you're at Certain because it really seems that they've given you the best of both worlds. You you have a great company with a great product that you get to go out and sell But at the same time, they seem to be giving you, you know, what I joke was when I had a job, I always joked that I I was the marketing director of a law firm, and they gave me a lot of rope, and I never hung myself. And they seem to give you a lot of rope to go out and be entrepreneurial and, and do things like the book and the podcast and and other things that you're doing to sort of build that brand. So it seems like you're living in the best of both worlds right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right in that. I mean, they've been very supportive of me through this entire process. Obviously, it, it serves the company very, very well, serves me really well, and it you know it allows me to focus on the things again that that I enjoy the most. That I, where I know I have the biggest impact, and I don't have to worry about you know other than taking ideas and concepts that i that i hear through conversation to the product team i don't have to build the product i don't have to worry about the operations i don't have to worry about the support and the accounting and the finance so in that way you know, I've I, I'd never, I, I would never had a, a large enough company that I really had the infrastructure to not have to stress about a lot of those things personally. So it's great to just be freed up psychically to, to focus on what you're great at.
1: So you've always sort of had this entrepreneurial bug, which leads me to the question. Do you think that people are born
0: with it or do you think that they learn to be entrepreneurial? Uh, again, my, my, I, I, I only have myself as the example. And in my case, I was totally born with it. You know, I I had paper outs when I was really young. I think I was third place in all of Orange County selling raffle tickets for the Boy Scouts or something. I mean, just goofy stuff that was really, really early on. And that's always followed me. I've always had an interest. So uh, for me, definitely born with. And I think that you have to have some innate desire because it's hard. I mean, entrepreneurship is not, Oh, you know, I think I'll do that. That'll be fun. You've got to be so committed to it. It is such a big, big undertaking that if you don't have that drive and passion, you're not, you're not even going to get close. It's going to be a really frustrating existence. So at that level, I I think you have to be born with that element, at least the, the, the commitment to make it work or it's just not going to. So, you know, you're born with it.
1: What do you love about the life of having this entrepreneurial drive inside of you? What, what gets you
0: really excited about it? You know, I think it's really about being creative and and having a variety of experience. You know, when when I started my first company, that really wasn't my intent um, you know, I had become a, a Microsoft certified systems engineer. I'd spent a lot of money on on training and education around that and kind of the promise of that at the time was, oh, you know, you can get a, a $50,000 a year job, which at the time was was a lot of money. You know, oh, you, you get a $50,000 a year job and you can buy, be this IT administrator. And, and you know, I think I, I got into the reality that a lot of people do, right? I've got this piece of paper, but no experience and everybody wanted the experience and you get into kind of that catch-22. and again it was it was just through some connections, and I kind of stumbled into this where I had a couple of clients and i and i thought i this this is right you know this this variety and the fact that it's not just one company and one thing and that's what I love about sales too it's not the same conversation, the same set of tasks over and over and over again it's different conversations every day it's different challenges it's you know and being able to control some of what that is you know i'm i'm getting ready to go on the road here for the rest of october i'm i'm going to be johnny cash i'm going to be everywhere man and but i enjoy that you know it's it's a great opportunity to connect and really get out in the marketplace and have those conversations and and that's what that's what i enjoy the most it's just that that level of creativity and, and freedom and and really dry, you know having having an impact you know make creating a business impact or, or even a professional and career impact for other people
1: so is there anything you don't like about it either when you had your own businesses or even being entrepreneurial is there any times you think god i wish i was just one of those people who punched a clock it'd be so much easier
0: no i mean i'm never i've never been a, a clock puncher I and mean, that's just not in my personality i don't think i'm capable of of just working an eight to five type of day. I'm, I'm very immersive in my, in my style. I just, I love, I live this stuff. I love this stuff. You know, there's definitely pieces that I kind of alluded to before that any of the minutiae type stuff is not my strong suit. You know, that, that's why you don't want me doing my own accounting. Um, You know, in, in this role, I hate doing RFPs. The RFP responses are just, it's an awful thing, right? Sit down, answer 400 questions about this, that, or the other thing. You know, I, I'd much rather have a collaborative conversation with somebody and figure out how we can help their business from that standpoint. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's always parts that, that you don't like. But my guiding rule has always been if you don't love what you do, it's work and work sucks. so
1: scott what advice do you have for somebody out there who's listening who either wants to go out and start their own business and do their own thing or maybe they just want to behave more entrepreneurial what advice do you have for people
0: yeah good question you know i I think you just have to kind of look for the opportunity you have to be open you have to be mindful of what really i mean you have to look externally what does everybody else need what could your company benefit from what can your clients benefit from And is there a place that given your skill set or given your relationships that you can add more value or create something that is going to move the ball forward? And so, I mean, that comes in a lot of forms. You know, in in some ways, people see it as risky, but I, I think that there's so much more opportunity in Stepping out inside the right company. I mean some companies are, are just too rigid and, and don't know how to react to that type of behavior. But I've seen it done in, in big companies locally. I mean I've, I've known some great change agents in in national instruments and in Dell and, and other places like that where they've seen, look, here's a problem. I believe strongly that I have a path to fix that problem I'm going to build a team around myself again, informally, right? They're they're just kind of building the relationships and understanding where am I going to need folks from across this organization to be able to pull this off and and just go do it. And, you know, as as long as you know, you're you're not doing something unethical or that that has a huge downside risk to the company. I mean, I think we've seen bad examples of those things. But as long as those don't exist, and and this is good opportunity and good growth opportunity. I, I think it serves everybody well. It's a good experience. You and the organization have an opportunity to learn from it, whether or not it's successful, and you grow. and And so, whether that's you're looking to advance your career or you're you're looking to turn it into kind of a launching point for for something else in the future, then then I, I think that's great. And. What's the alternative? I mean, just sit back and and be a drone. I just I, I can't do that.
1: <laughs> no, I can't either. But there's a lot of people who seem very happy with just punching the clock. But your your point of just you know keeping your eyes open and, and watching for you know opportunity. I just wrote a blog post yesterday about listening to your community. You know, if if you're really an observer, if you're really tuned in to what's going on, I think that you know I don't want to get too touchy feely, but I think the universe has a tendency to give you clues. Uh, Of what you should be doing. And so kind of along the lines of starting this group coaching program, I don't know if anyone's going to sign up for it. But two people reached out and said, I really think you should do this. And, you know, I would like you to coach me, but I can't spend the kind of money to do one on one coaching. Why don't you do this? And when two people said it within, you know, a short amount of time, I, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know, a, a building doesn't have to fall on me. And to go down the path. And if it doesn't work out, if, you know, somebody listens to this podcast two years from now and they call me about it and I say, oh, you know, that didn't pan out. That's not a bad thing. That's not an embarrassment or, oh, I announced to the world that I was going to try this project. And, you know, the the cool things project didn't happen. Well, that's okay because what if it happens and it's big, if it becomes a big thing for me and the other people in the group, if I didn't listen and didn't pay attention then I'm just missing opportunity, and I think even inside a company, your boss, your coworkers, your direct reports—I think people are giving you clues and they're asking you to be more entrepreneurial if you just listen to them.
0: It, it, and the listening is so, so, so key. You know, if if that's really at the core of what you're doing, I mean, even as an organization, if you listen to your customers and react to that, you will be a better company. You will grow because you're you're ultimately serving them. And I think too often we Kind of the go to move is is the field of dreams play, right? like well, if we build it, <laughs> they will come well if you if you build what if you build what what you think they will like, why don't we go ask them and, and see what they like and in a lot of ways that's why I love events so much, and you know we we help with a lot of user conference and field marketing events, and it's a place where people are connecting with their customers, and if they get that FaceTime and they're able to ask and really listen and just understand. What are you doing? What do you need? How can we really add value for you? And if you ask those questions, you're going to be successful. Well, and you know, I
1: live in the event space. I consider myself an event professional as a speaker, and it is so true because so often people, you know, that, that that plan boring events just typically try to follow some sort of a simple game plan. They're not listening to what their constituency wants. They're not listening to what people say, and they hire you know the same type of speaker. I do. I do a lot of speaking. I probably shouldn't say this. Somebody will listen and get mad, but I do a lot of speaking for law firms, and so often I'll do a partner retreat, and a partner will come up to me and say, "God, that was so fantastic." Do you know? You know it's the first time we haven't had an economist in four years and you know the people are just like oh god another economist who's going to come in and talk at our partner meeting and yet the person who's planning the meeting goes oh well the lawyers want economists and then when i talk to the lawyers they're like oh no 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 you know these guys aren't don't interest us we like something that motivates us and gets us for how can we work better with our associates and you know how can we get more business from our clients and yet the people who are planning the meetings are like hiring the economist year after year and they're not they're not asking the question and they're certainly not listening
0: well and i I think that's the risk of us thinking what our audience wants right i think that's that's the risk of this persona based marketing right here's my persona here's who i'm marketing to and this is what they want. But we're making those assumptions on a lot of times some really bad stereotypes. I, I think your example is, is a perfect example of that. Instead, why don't we go ask the people who really are our target market and listen to what they say because what we may find is what we think they want and what they actually want are very different.
1: Yeah, well, you know, on the subject of of networking, I'm speaking at a pretty prestigious event. And and one of my peers said, Well, why would those really high end salespeople? Why would they want you? Why would they want the topic of, of connecting and, and networking? They're already the top of their industry. And so I was on a call with my client. And I just sort of asked that I didn't say, Why'd you pick me? But, but I just sort of said, What is it about this topic that resonates? And her answer was, we ask all of our people what they want more of and the top people are so concerned with their business relationships that they you know there's not a lot you can teach them but the top people really really care about can i tweak it 1% because when you're making several million dollars a year a 1% tweak becomes material money and she said that's why we hired you is you're going to inspire them to look at it just a little different and i thought how interesting when you're dealing with the very top people and the very prestigious events where they are asking, that's what they're coming back with. When you're going to sort of mediocre, they're like, well, we hired a politician or an economist because that's what conferences do. And so it's really an interesting thing when you really start to sort of peel back the onion and look at what is it that people really want versus what do we think they want. And you know, I think that you, know, you bring up a really interesting point. You know, in in that that we have to listen more, and we can't just assume we know what our constituency wants every single time.
0: Yeah, well, and, and the top people are are never they're never done. They always know there's better, and that there's another level. So, you know, why wouldn't you? The the connections and that ability to relate to people is so core and so important that if you if you feel like oh, I've got I know everything there is to know about this, I don't have to work on that anymore. That that's quickly going to erode.
1: Well, you bring up a very interesting point, and the top people are never done. There's your nugget, everybody, for this episode. You know, the top people are never done. Are you writing things off saying, yeah, I'm done with that, I got enough knowledge? Because the people at the top are saying, no, I gotta learn more about whatever the topic is. Hey Scott, I've got some more questions for you, and I don't want to let you go quite yet, but first, I've got to thank our sponsor who makes this episode possible. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Scott Ingram. For an exclusive offer to those of you who listen to this show, if you want to start your own podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things, and see all the great things that they have going. So, Scott, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what's the coolest thing you're doing right now in your business?
0: You know, really, I'm so excited about about the podcast. It was really came out of an evolution of my own personally becoming addicted to podcasts. And, you know, I knew you had been doing it for a while and it was some of the things that you said about, you know, just if you have 50 conversations, it's going to change your perspective and you'll be a different person. And what I'm realizing now that I'm down the path, one of the things I didn't expect is it is becoming the best prospecting tool I have ever experienced (laughs) in my life because it's about it's it's about making it for other people and so when i'm able to say you know when i find somebody really interesting that's doing great work with in the combination of kind of marketing and events space that i play in And I reach out and say, hey, would you be interested in having a conversation with me on the podcast? Again, because I'm able to make that about them, it's not about me. The conversations that I've started to have through that are super, super exciting. So I'm I'm just having a lot of fun with that. And it's – it's just more than, than I expected that it, that it would be even in, even in these early stages.
1: Well, I tell everybody it's the best networking tool I've ever seen, and I've been teaching this stuff for a decade. I literally get to interview you know, very fascinating and interesting people, and only one person has ever told me, no, I don't want to do your show. Now, I haven't gotten everybody scheduled who I've talked to, but everybody has said, Yeah, I want to do your show. And sometimes it's my fault because I haven't gotten around to following up. Sometimes their schedule just doesn't allow it. But everybody is like, Yeah, I'll do your podcast. And, you know, some people tell me, Well, you know, your podcast isn't one of the top 10 podcasts. So, like, some of these people won't do your show. Well, it's true. The celebrities. And when I say that, you know, only one person has said no, I don't count sort of like, you know, I reached out to, Uh, one of the women from Shark Tank just because I heard her on another show and I reached out and she basically said, I can't do them all and you don't have enough circulation. And it's great. Fine. You know, that's fine. Celebrities are a, a different deal. But I, you know, people like your boss was on the show. And I know that, you know, since then, you know, you guys have talked about different things when you were starting your show. You guys used that. I know if I called Peter today and just had, if I had a purpose and I called him, he'd take my call. And that's true. I think with everybody who's been on the show, you know, anybody who you know has been on the show, I can now reach out to and, and bring them some other value or ask them a question. So I think it's the greatest networking tool ever. And in the event space, there's really not a lot of good podcasts out there. And you have really started a good podcast, so you should be excited about that.
0: Well, thanks. Appreciate that. It, it's all it's all because I mean, things really started to turn around once they had Tom Singer on as a guest. Right. So actually, today
1: is the day the show really just shot through the roof so that's it yeah absolutely hey so scott we could talk about you all day long and it's been fun to do just that however i think and we talked a little bit about this before i think the best entrepreneurs i think they're observers they're watching and they're listening and they're, they're seeing what's out there so a question i love to ask everybody and it's it's really one of the things that i think we get some of the most interesting nuggets out there is who is it outside of you and outside of your company who is it that you see out there who's doing something cool
0: you know, two people who who once held the same title, um, and, and one of whom you've had on your show. So the co-founders of Eloqua, Steve Woods and Mark Organ. They've they've gone two really different directions. Um, Steve is has started a company called Nudge, which is doing some really really interesting things. I'm I'm in a, a private beta with them right now, and they're really trying to tap into. The power of, you know, if you look at the research on networking, most opportunities come from what we call the weak ties, right? It's, it's somebody that you know or kind of worked with, but it's not, it's not your best friend. So, Tom, unfortunately, it's not, it's not you and I, but it's people that we have, you know, looser connections with. And they're looking at how do you kind of predictively add value to those people, you know, hey, here's what we know about Tom and, you know, this article or this piece may be interesting to him and kind of the direction that he's going. So they're trying to solve some really, really hard problems, but I, I think they're on a really great path and if they can get there, they are really going to have something. So they're, they're pretty early stages. And then Mark Organ uh, has started a company called Influitive and Influitive is kind of the gamification of advocacy. So if you think about taking your best customers and rewarding them and and creating community around them and just creating a game out of them making uh, referrals and doing reference calls for you and participating in case studies. And they're just doing some really cool stuff. And I think that if you look at the power of what that is, I mean the example I always give is if you're a billion-dollar company – and your plan is to grow 10% in the next year, that means that you've got to add $100 million um, in new revenue. But if you're a company of that size, that's not going to be net new logos, right? People we've never done business with before. I'd argue that 70 80 maybe even 90% of that new revenue is going to come from your existing client base. And I, I think there's so much more that that can be done. I, I think this is kind of a blind spot in a lot of ways in marketing, where we're so outwardly focused that we're missing the opportunity to grow our base and and really take advantage of the relationships that we've already built with the people that already trust us. So, both of those are. are Super, super interesting uh, and and really like just just continuing to follow them and stay in touch with with their uh, their adventures
1: and it's fun to see people like Steve, who you know have built one company to see them go and start another one and see sort of how they how they what they've learned from what they did the first time and how they take it in a whole new direction. He was a great guest on the show absolutely so another question I ask everybody is I think in addition to being great observers, I think the best entrepreneurs find ways to give back and leave their mark on society, so I love to ask everybody.
0: What do you do? Yeah, so, so two things. I mean, one, I always try and give back to my network sort of holistically. Um, I've never really had a lot of truly formal, you know, mentor-mentee type relationships. I, I think Reed Hoffman actually said that um, the network is his mentor. And, and I, really, I really connect with that. And for me, it's always giving back that. I've had so many people who've been so generous to me along my own path. That you know any opportunity that I have to help somebody in their career or with their business idea or whatever it is, uh, I, I try and contribute in, in what ways I can. the other The other fun story is when I originally published the book, I wanted to have it tied to something philanthropic, and I wasn't quite sure what that was and actually brought it to my mastermind group. and ironically, what surfaced was the very next week. Uh, One of my friends brought an article on Matt Damon who was really involved with an organization called water.org. And then all the dots connected. It was really ridiculous. I was like, this is – we're talking about making rain. This is a water charity. Um, And and the super (laughs) ironic part was Matt Damon starred in a movie uh, based on a John Grisham book called The Rainmaker. So for, ah. for me, it was just too perfect of a thing. So your
1: book is making rain with events. It's a water charity. Matt Damon's involved, and he was in a movie similar title.
0: I, exactly. So I, cool. I, I couldn't I couldn't pass that one up. It was just a really fun connection. And, and then I've, as I've dug into that organization, just the power of what they're doing is is so amazing. And in a lot of ways, it is. I mean, obviously, it's it's about health and life and and clean water and things like that. But it's also about just women and economics, I mean, in these countries where there's not accessible water, the women's job is to walk miles with crazy heavy jugs on their heads and just get water for the family. And that's pretty much all they have the ability to do. And when you bring fresh water to those communities, suddenly the the women in those in those uh, towns and environments are freed up and have time to, to really make more of a contribution and, and do more. And so there's a lot of, you know, budding entrepreneurship that comes from that. It's, it's just such a, a great, great story. So that's great, Scott. I'm really glad that you're doing that.
1: Hey, if somebody listened to this episode and they think I got to know more about this Scott Ingram guy, how do they find you?
0: Yeah, so I, I try and stay pretty regular on on Twitter. You can find me at Scott Ingram. Um, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, but I'm kind of picky about the way that I connect there. So I would say if you heard me on the show, send a note and and you know just d- please don't send a connection request that says you know we can, we should grow our professional networks on LinkedIn <laughs> and connect this way like don't send the standard message send a note tell me how you found me or you can also you can also follow me on LinkedIn i guess that's an option now since i do occasionally post uh, post pieces but i i really hope you'll since you're listen, you're obviously a podcast fan listening to this, I hope you'll go over and, and listen to Making Rain with events and and listen to the episode that I do with Tom. Uh, as always, Tom's always got great insights and and some uh, uh, wonderful value to share.
1: And we have some really great event professionals who listen to this show who are extremely entrepreneurial and if they're like we got to find out more about certain how do they find out about your company?
0: Yeah, certain doc, certain.com is the easiest way to do it, but reach, reach out to me. I'm happy to get you to connect, connected to the right uh, person in the organization. So if it's not me that's that's going to be able to help you directly, I'm happy to point you in the in the right direction. Certainly if you're if you're a fan of Toms, then then I'm a fan of yours.
1: <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I'm sorry that it took a year from the time I started the show to to get you on, but I think the timing was perfect. You're doing some really cool stuff, and I'm really glad that you came on and shared your story with the listeners here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. For those of you who listened, you know I always say it. We wouldn't have a show if people didn't listen. And the audience is growing. It's a slow and steady little process, but it's fun to watch the numbers tick up. And as I said at the top of the show, I'm so excited by how many people reach out. So if you like the show, send me a tweet at Tom T H O M Singer or at Tom at or Tom at TomSinger.com is my email. Uh, I love to know that there's actually people out there who are listening. And every now and then there's somebody who will just send me a tweet saying, You said you wanted to know if people are listening. I'm listening, and it just makes me giggle that people actually do that. So please, you know, I want to giggle. So go ahead and do that. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Scott Ingram. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have
0: a great day.